I want to begin by asking what the Spirit of God has been saying to you this week. Uh, you might not recall it um, right now. I pray that as I, I preach, if, uh, if God has been speaking to you, that, that the words that I speak this morning confirm to you what God has been leading you towards by his Spirit. Otherwise, I pray that as I speak this morning that you would discern what it is that the Spirit of God is saying to you and don't take it as Luke's words or Luke's encouragement, but go from this place today and spend time examining the Scriptures and seeking the Lord in prayer and saying, is that your message to me? Is that what you want uh, for me to be doing? We're looking at Mark's Gospel and uh, as I've encouraged you to consider what God has been doing over the past week in your life, uh, let's look back at, well, the week leading up to, to Jesus calling those disciples to himself. Last week we finished partway through chapter 2 where uh, Jesus was calling Levi or Matthew and we considered the sorts of people that Jesus calls to himself not all were people who were seeking after the Messiah and eagerly waiting for him. Some were people like Matthew who was sitting at his job, collecting taxes, doing well for himself. But Jesus pursued him and called him to himself. And we found that, uh, that he wasn't one just to come and call his brothers to, to come and meet Jesus, but uh, invited Jesus into his home and, and they were able to sit and eat with uh, other tax collectors and, and so-called sinners. And uh, we saw how wonderful it is, the, the call of Jesus uh, to discipleship. He calls so many different types of people. Now after that, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came to Jesus and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. There are many people who recognize that Jesus was a, a great teacher and a religious figure and, and thought, now, it's good. He's going to come and promote our religion even more. He's, he's going to come and confirm all of those things that we've been encouraging people to do. Uh, the Pharisees, they didn't like John very much, but here they take John as, on as one of their heroes and, and approach Jesus and say, now, our disciples fast, John's disciples fast, but your disciples, well, we see them um, living it up and, and not conforming to the, the religious patterns and, and the strict disciplines that we would expect the disciples of a religious or a new teacher to be imposing on his disciples. And Jesus is quick to say, those things that you are expecting of me, throw them out the window. I'm not coming to do the things that you think that I might come here to do. And sometimes when people come into church, they have a certain expectation of what it is that Jesus' teaching is all about. It might look something like, I've been trying to live a good life. Um, sometimes I've done that well, sometimes not so well. But I think that the church is pretty good at showing people how to live a good life. And so I'll come and I'll listen to the teachings of Jesus and he will show me how to be a truly good person. 
that would be in error. Some people growing up in the church have heard Jesus and his teachings a lot within a religious setting. And so as they grow up in the church, think, now, in order for me to be a true disciple of Jesus, I need to become more religious. I need to be more committed. I need to do the things that the church says are good for people to be doing in the church. And in those ways, I will follow the teachings of Jesus. Then we read the Bible and we read passages like this and we kind of get a little bit unsettled because Jesus is saying, no, it's not like that. If you come with a certain expectation that, that I'm just going to call you to a, another level of the things that you expect religion and, and the pursuit of God and holiness to be about, well, you're going to be a little bit unsettled. Jesus begins here to say, I am about to do something radically different. In some ways it will look like the things that you're expecting to see. But if you expect those things just to happen in the way that you expect them, well then you're, you're going to be right off track. Why I say that is these things continue to happen. Uh, I'll just skip down to verse 23. We'll come back to some of the ones I've missed in a moment. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat? And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to the Pharisees, The Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Once again, his disciples are being criticized for, for not following the law. Now the law here, I guess the Pharisees are resting on the, the Old Testament laws and its practices and, and feeling that, that while we have been told to, to lay aside one day in the week that we should not work, um, there are certain ways that we know that should look. Like you don't harvest anything on a, on a Sabbath because that would be work. And so if these disciples are pulling heads of grain off the stalks and rubbing them in their hands to get rid of the husks before they eat them, well, they're working. They're breaking the law. And Jesus says, you guys are so intent on focusing on the matters of the law that you've missed completely what the law was about. And he points back to a story from the Old Testament of, of David and his warriors who, who are out fighting battles for, for God and come into the, the house of God exhausted. And what is there to eat? Only the bread that's been reserved for the priests. Um, it's been given in, in consecration and honor of, of God. And David takes that bread and he feeds hungry servants of God. And Jesus upholds him for that. He says, God's laws are not about crushing you. They're not about imposing certain restrictions on you so that you might be robbed of life. Actually, if you look into the laws of God, the heart of God is to give life. He's to, it's to save you from yourself, to turn your eyes on God and recognize that God is a good God. And so now I come as the Lord of the Sabbath. I want to bring you into the true rest that God has planned for you. 
not to impose law and expectation upon you, but to bring you into freedom. In chapter 3, uh, there's a third example here. Jesus entered the synagogue and there was a man with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And they were silent. And he looked at, around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held a council with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Jesus exposes that these religious men, who are again wanting to test him to see if he's going to break laws of working on the Sabbath, if he heals someone on the Sabbath, that's work, he shouldn't be doing that, exposes in those people a hardness of heart against the things of God and instead points, to them, points them to the purposes of God. Tell me what is right on a Sabbath, to do good or to do evil. God has always desired life. And so let me give you an example of God restoring life on a Sabbath. And he commands the man, stretch out your hand, and he does, and he's healed. All of this is illustrated earlier when Jesus says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. This morning, I hope to encourage you to pursue those things of God that are new wine. Things that may look similar to those things that are religious or may look similar to the things that a church would encourage its believers to do, but not because it's religious and not because I think this would make us a better church or organisation or those sorts of things. I want us to see Christ as one who radically changes the game of things. Last year we looked at a, a, a series called Jesus the Game Changer. And it traced history from the teachings of Christ to see how many education centres and how many hospitals and how many great things have been done as people have responded to the name of Jesus. This year, there's a new series coming out, Jesus the Game Changer 2. Not because he changes the game again, but it's the other side of what it is that Jesus has done. And it traces how the gospel has gone out into the world and transformed one nation after another after another as an encouragement that we would see that Jesus comes to change the way we live among ourselves with each other and the good work that we do because he has called us to a different calling altogether. And that's what we will see as we continue into to chapter 3. Jesus is about doing something radically different. Jesus withdrew, this is 3 verse 7, with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea 
and from beyond the Jordan and all around Tyre and Sidon, a great crowd heard all that he was doing and they came to him. And he told the disciples, have a boat ready because of the crowd, lest they crush him. There are people who are seeing God, uh, Jesus do some amazing things and they want to come for healing. And they want to come that they might be released. They are seeing that Jesus is doing things like, well, setting up a hospital for those who are sick. But that's not his purpose. But they come in order that they might be healed. And Jesus says to his disciples, put me in a boat just off the shore because healing people is not the only thing I've come to do. We've seen this already. Uh, Capernaum said, we want Jesus to stay here. And Jesus said, no, my purpose isn't just to stay here and set up a hospital. It's to what? Preach the good news. And so Jesus says, put me in a boat, push me out from shore so that I might teach the people that they might also hear and understand what it is that I'm about. And so in a way, Jesus sets up a university there on the shores of Galilee. I want to teach the people. I want them to understand truth. I want them to hear what God is about to do and what God is able to do in their lives. But not just heal and teach. But he then went up onto the mountain and called to him those he desired and they came to him. Jesus was here to heal. He was here to teach. But he came in order that he might call people to himself. I think it's a wonderful picture that Jesus climbs up a mountain and some people are left behind. And he climbs up a little bit further and others sort of fail and think, well, I'll just wait for him to come down again. But he gets to the heights of the mountain and he calls those who are committed to follow him. He calls those he desired and they came. And that's what Jesus is wanting to do. Not just to establish a, a new pattern of religion, not just to bring healing, not just to bring a new teaching, but to call people to himself. And so you may come to church in order to learn to be a better person. Or you may grow up in the church and aspire to, to do certain things in a, an organisation that's changing the world. But if you do any of those things without seeing the call to Christ as primary, well then you're going to be living lives with hard hearts. You're going to see the law as something to impose. You're going to, to see the, the freedom that God brings as, as a restriction to the, the things that, that really want to be encouraging people to do. But Jesus is about calling people to himself. And as they come, then he gives them a job to do. Then he says... I'm going to appoint you as apostles that I might send you out to preach and have the authority to cast out demons. I want to bring a new teaching. I want to bring truth. I want to bring the understanding of God. I want to bring freedom to people's lives. And I want to do that through you. I call you by name and you are to come to me. So then I might send you out 
to do the things that this kingdom is about. It will change society. You will establish hospitals. You will set up schools. You will do these things, but you will not forget the purpose as to why you have done those things. Though we can point to Christian hospitals that no longer bear the name of Christ, and we can point to Christian education institutions that no longer bear the name of Christ. But God wants to point to his people and say, these people are known by my name and they know me. And they are doing radical things in their world. And he names them. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named, and I'll only use the English, thanks, Anne, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now tell me what you know about Thaddeus. Okay, now I'll tell you what I know about Thaddeus. Sorry. You know, some of these guys we know really well. And some of them, we know their names, but we don't know very much about them. And so it's not about being called to fame when we're called to follow after Jesus. But it is about being called to him and his purposes for us in our lives. Now, as he called them, he knew their purpose, even the one who was to betray him. He knew some of them were sons of thunder, a bit keen to, to call down fire from heaven. We knew one of them needed to be named Rock so that he might understand that though he would be tested, that God was wanting to use him as a foundation to encourage the brothers in the establishment of the church. He knew his purposes for each one of them. And maybe you know what God has been calling you to do. Maybe this week he has said your name and he has said, this is what I want you to do. Now, if I speak that and you know it to be true, the Holy Spirit has already been prompting you towards something. If I say that and you're not certain what that is, well, allow this to be tested. This week, spend time in prayer and opening the word of God and say, God, if this message is for me, what is it that you want me to do? Let me tell you what it was for me. It was two things. One was a lady who came in and uh, was needing some assistance and was telling me about her family. Uh, in her family, she's the mother of a, a number of boys who are without a father. He's not dead. He's just chosen not to be involved in their life. And as I prayed with her, I prayed that these boys would have a restored relationship with their father, but more than that, that they would find their identity in a relationship with God, their heavenly father. And that brought her to tears. She agreed with that prayer. Um, but I was left thinking, well, I wonder how God is going to do that. Um, I don't know if it was the same day or, or uh, another day, 
um, I was looking through my emails and I found one from Youth for Christ who are, as part of their vision and ministry, seeking God for what he has planned for the next three years. And they're asking supporters to join them in a 40, day, 40 days of prayer and fasting as part of the, their Lost Boys campaign. Let me, I think I've got that somewhere here. Dear Luke, I'm writing to invite you to join us in a 40-day campaign of international prayer for our young men. There is a very spiritual battle raging against our youth, particularly young men who are being taken captive by an enemy en masse. You only have to look at suicide rates, addiction, domestic violence and incarceration rates to see that this battle rages around us. Porn has infiltrated our society with devastating results and the war is on for the identity of our boys. There are many factors that contribute to this devastation but ultimately we know that the answer lies in Jesus and the restoration of boys to their true identity as sons of a loving father brought about through his sacrificial death and the glorious resurrection. If the enemy has a strategy to bring down these boys, how much more should we have a strategy as soldiers of the Lord's army to bring them home? Youth for Christ has sought God for that strategy which will be launching in the next few weeks at the National Gathering by raising up young evangelists for every electorate of Australia. We aim to rescue and restore the lost youth of our nation through peer-to-peer -peer evangelism and discipleship with a deliberate focus this year on young men. When I read that, I thought, that's important and that is good. I don't know if that's for me. God, if this is for me, let me know. And then I opened the Bible and I'm looking at Jesus' call to his disciples and, and how he is enabling them to be the ones to preach the good news, release people from captivity. And I thought, I know now that Jesus is calling me to six weeks of prayer and fasting for the young men of our nation. It's not my life's calling, but I know that for this season of my life, that's what Jesus is calling me to do. So let me ask you again, what has God been laying on your heart? It may be something for the rest of your life. It may be something just for this season. It might just be something for this week. But Jesus' purpose isn't to call us to religion. It's not to call us just to be better than the man or woman next to us. It's that we might seek his face and know him and answer the calling that he has on our life. So I want to bless those who have pursued that calling in establishing hospitals and supporting their work. I want to bless those who have heard that calling and pursued God in education. I want to bless those people that have heard God's calling and said we need to be doing something in our society to reform it. I want to bless those who have heard that calling and said there was a time that the disciples didn't have to fast, but Jesus said there was a time coming where they would fast. And God is calling me to a time of fasting and spiritual warfare. What has God been laying on your heart? I've shared these lyrics before and I want to leave you with them. 
Casting crowns sing a song called The Very Next Thing. And these are the words. Who says big things are somewhere off in the distance? I don't want to look back just to see that I missed it. I want to be here and now, starting right here, right now, with the very next words of love to be spoken, the very next heart that's shattered and broken, the very next way that you're going to use me. Show me the next thing. I'll do the next thing. Let my very next breath breathe out a song of praise to you. With my very next step, be on a road that was planned by you. Lord, wherever you're leading me, that's where I want to be. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you are moving by the Spirit of God among us, just as you were working through your Son as he walked on earth among us. You are calling us to yourself, name by name, and you are calling us to a higher calling. It's not about religion. It's not about good deeds. It's about pursuing you. And you are sending us out that by the power of God and the will of God that we would be doing the work of God. That's so humbling to say. But so often we hear it and we turn away. Lord, turn our faces to you. Convict our hearts. And then show us, Lord, just practically and simply what it is that you have for us and make us obedient and willing to, to follow after you and to pursue those things. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen.